0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 874
1: with Jay McSherry. Starting small is everything. You get the ability to just grow the business and add on. Once you have the kitchen built and we had the systems in place and the menu established, I mean, we had to line out the door that summer because there was a demand so we created that pent-up demand you know 16 seats little line out the door it was like a great Portsmouth secret are you ready for it factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join Eric Cacciatore in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable <laughs>
0: listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H dot S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim, and when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy thirty percent off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com/unstoppable. That's chownow.com/unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Talk to the Manager. Nowadays, people don't want to speak face-to-face. They rather communicate via text message and keep it anonymous. Talk to the Manager allows guests to share feedback or ask questions in a way that makes them feel comfortable and is convenient to you. And I think the most valuable aspect of talk to the manager is that you give people an opportunity to vent before they go public and write a negative review. Sometimes people just want to be heard and talk to the manager gives them that opportunity to be heard. Plus, you don't have to worry about your information being shared. Customers won't see your personal phone number, just the phone number that talk to the manager provides. Also, with talk to the manager, it's like having a secret shopper. People will tell you any issues they come across at your restaurants whether you want to hear them or not but they'll be brought to your attention and that will help you improve your business show your guests you care enough to listen with talk to the manager head to com slash unstoppable to sign up for your 60-day trial What up, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder, please give us your support, support our sponsors, use our affiliate links, share this podcast with anybody you know aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry and come hang out in restaurant unstoppable network. So today's a big day for me. This is a, this is a milestone interview. We're talking to somebody who has been on my radar since day one of this podcast, who I've gotten close to getting on the show a few times. It just didn't work out with scheduling or or whatever the reason. And this person who I'm talking to is partners with one, two, three, four, five of our pasts Guest, he owns stake in all these businesses that I'm about to mention. Um, Moxie with Matt Lewis, Jonathan Plowright with White Heron, David Vargas and Evita Cantina, Will Amishka and Ornell's Barbecue and Kate McGrath with Railpenny. Jay McSherry is the guy I'm talking about. And, uh, he is just such a staple in the New Hampshire Seacoast. And I'll just say New England at this point in, Nate, honestly, nationally, he was recently recognized as a semifinalist for outstanding restaurant tour for for James Beard. Uh, he's a graduate of UNH. Uh, he graduated in 1990 and nearly a decade after graduating. He returned to New Hampshire Seacoast to fulfill his vision and open Jumpin' Jays Fish Cafe uh, building on the restaurant's success. Jay went on to open numerous other establishments in the region, including. Jumpin' Jay's Fish Cafe, Moxie Vita Cantina, the Franklin Street, uh Luigi's West End Pizzeria, Ornell's Barbecue, the Rail Penny Tavern, Dos Amigos, and a bunch of other projects that are coming at you. Um, I know he's got a few other like a New Hampshire pizza dough. I, I can't remember, but th- there's a lot. It's, it's, it's almost too much to keep track of. And uh this guy is is been a, a little bit of a a local hero to me. And honestly, uh I refer to him a lot when I talk about the ideal business structure in uh, the most successful tours, They recognize that success in this industry isn't about them. It's about everybody else and creating opportunity for everybody else. And it's clear that he does that. And uh, he's been referenced so many times on the show. This is a big interview for me. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here he is, Jay McSherry. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder and owner of J Group Hospitality, Jay McSherry. Jay, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: I COVID uh, <laughs> staffing, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm still feeling unstoppable,
0: man. I, I'm feeling unstoppable, and uh, anybody who's listening to this the show has the name Jay McSherry might sound familiar because we've already had so many of your partners on the show. I mean, we've had. Matt Lewis from Moxie, we've had David Vargas for or Var- Vargas? Vargas. Uh, Thank yeah, you from, Vargas. Um uh, Vida Cantina, we've had Kate from uh oh, cool. from Real Penny. I'm sure I'm leaving people out, but like just so I'm many sure. we had a chef Matt, I know Ornells, um, So many names I can't keep track track of mm-hmm. all the people that you've had or we've had on the show who are associated with you and who have all said amazing things. Oh wow! It's Chef Will Mishka, by the way, is the name I just escaped my my brain. Yeah. Too many names to keep yeah, track. Yeah. Of. Good um, people, and I and I cannot wait hmm. to share your side of the story. And how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us, Jay? Uh,
1: My success quote, I'll mess this up. It's from a Chinese uh, cookie. uh, um, Fortune cookie? Fortune cookie. That's it. Thank you. It's, um, you know, you've already succeeded if you just try, you know? Mm. So it's just getting out there and doing. Like, that's the success. It's not, it's not you know, money or, or, uh, it's just getting out and trying. And that's not just in restaurants, that's in life and, in and jobs that might take you in a different direction. Yeah. The hardest
0: part is just starting. And, and yeah. that's something that comes up a lot. And there's a quote I recently heard the the difference between dreamers and visionaries is dreamers dream. They, they see what they want to do, but the visionaries are the ones that actually start and actually bring their visions to fruition. So, um, what are your thoughts as I say that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's true, and it's it's cool. It's cool.
0: Yeah. yeah, i mean, I'm really excited to start sharing your story. So <laughs> let's just get into it, man.
1: Like, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Sure, uh, I, you know since you know uh, since I've been a kid, I'm I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, you know, Irish Catholic family um, out of uh, Westport, Connecticut. Viva Zapata is the first place I think I worked at or Dunville's. Uh, two good restaurants but my whole family worked in restaurants my dad was uh, a chemist and worked in uh, plastics just like the graduate uh, he was a plastic sales guy um, and had a master's degree from bc but the all the kids worked in restaurants to you know to make a buck or get ready for college or pay for college. So I was pulled in at an early age of 14 and bus tables, loved it, felt appreciated. Work is, can be very gratifying just from, you know, in a different way than school or, or, um, or sports. So not that I don't like both of those, but, um, and, and the money was great.
0: Yeah. So you, at this point in your career, weren't, like, gung-ho about being a restaurateur. That didn't come until later, right?
1: Well, I always, you know, I, honestly, at an early age, my sister owned a restaurant that okay. completely blew up. Like, okay. uh, I don't know what I could say in, in this, but, like, the head weight person's nose caved in from co- cocaine. $10,000 got robbed from the <laughs> safe uh, from, you know, a guy that was supposedly sober at the time uh but wasn't um you know there was a lot of you know it was the 80s yep. and it was party party and uh and and uh my sister owned this restaurant with another guy was this in portsmouth it New was in south norwalk connecticut it was yep. jasper's oyster bar and restaurant since then her brother my ex-brother-in-law Jocko, has passed okay um at an earlier age than than uh one would hope, and uh, she's divorced, remarried, has a great, uh, great uh, husband and kids now. Gotcha. But it was, uh, it was definitely. Uh, my sister wasn't as much involved in it; it just was all going on a- around. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, that was my first experience. So at one point, I was like, "Wow, I want to open a restaurant and do this." And then I got a little like. Shocked, like ah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, like maybe, maybe this isn't the right way. Maybe I should go out and check out. So when you started to catch uh, this
0: bug when you were a young guy, fourteen plus, what was it exactly that made you want it? What was it that appealed to you?
1: I like the, the sort of the fast pace, um, the energy, people. I liked uh, that you're working with girls and guys, and and you're putting something on. It's sort of a production, you know, it's, yeah, uh, every night, and uh, and if it goes right, everybody's happy at the end of the night okay. and, uh, and, and then you're on to the next night. So are you from
0: the New Hampshire area? Cause you said you're, you're, <laughs> your sister was working in Connecticut. Did she move down yeah. that way?
1: No, I I'm from, uh, I'm from Westport, Wilton, Connecticut. Okay. I went to Wilton high school, Wilton
0: warriors. Yeah. So was it UNH that brought you to New Hampshire? Originally?
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I worked at Benjamin's Dan de Grace was the owner there. That, uh, good guy. Uh, uh, I, First wasn't going to work. I worked at the fish market at, at in Durham, oyster River fish market um, came home smelling like fish. <laughs> not a great thing, you know you're not going to get the girls you know when, no. <laughs> <laughs> when you're coming back from the fish market uh, so um, but yeah, so I worked throughout uh, college in the restaurants. At this point um, when you're in
0: school, because I did see that you went to school for communication, you monitored in business. Yes. Yeah, if I'm wrong, I yeah,
1: yeah, no, you got it. Uh, so um, were you
0: thinking that at this point, did, was this still a dream? Was it still a pipe dream or did that fade? Or?
1: It faded a little. And I thought I wanted to do film production, okay. fi- uh, be, uh, uh, do movies, maybe direct or, or produce, uh, which it has a lot of the same, um, skill sets, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Um, What are those
0: similarities? I'm curious.
1: You know, you're putting on a production, you're bringing a group of people together and you're executing Mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, the, you know, the creatives, the kitchen, maybe the talent and, and then it's, uh, working together as a team and, um, and then actually building out the restaurant is like, you know, sort of set design Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and working deals to make it happen, I yep. guess, yep, so, so I do see it. The big difference is when a movie wraps up, everybody you know just goes their own way and mm-hmm. goes on to another project, so you might not see those people again, you might see them on the next shoot. Uh, with, a, with, with a restaurant it 's here to stay and part of the community yeah I mean that 's the goal, but there
0: is some truth to things coming and going in the restaurant industry oh, too. yeah so like, you kind of
1: you do put on a show
0: and you 're working together for a while, and then maybe you might meet your future business partner in a restaurant that doesn 't work out, and like you know there is that, that certain like level of networking and executing for sure um, so you, you as from what I could gather, you end up going to New York City after you graduate um, and you kind of you kind of caught the bug again.
1: Well, when I was in New York, I, I was working in film production. I was working on commercials. I did a Thomas's English Muffin commercial, a six-degree separation I was on for a little bit, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. So I did some movies. My sister was in the industry, so it made it, I had a, like a a little uh, foothold to get uh, some connections to do some stuff, mostly commercials I worked on because uh, they paid more and, um, and they're m- more readily available. There was a, I think there was a producer strike at the time or some sort of strike that reduced the amount of production. But, um, that I was in, I actually was in advertising and hated it. And that's when I decided I was going to open up a restaurant and I audited at a class at the new school. Thank you. New school. Um, meaning I didn't pay for it. I just snuck in after the second class and, Left before the final exam.
0: Wait, what was this class that you were taking? It was, uh,
1: I think it was like a, how to start a restaurant, okay. how to open a restaurant.
0: So, so you were in restaurants. So you were doing film production, uh, commercials and you said you were in restaurants. Were you working part time?
1: No, I wasn't in any restaurants oh, okay. there. I would cater on the weekends gotcha. at Watson's on Pemberwick and Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, or I'd cater, you know, whenever a gig came up. So I was doing that, uh, I, and then if I wasn't in the city and I was outside the city, I was working at the Black Goose Grill in Darien, Connecticut as okay. a waiter. Um,
0: so this is
1: all happening in the 90s. Correct me. Uh, know. Yeah. Yes, it is.
0: So at what point are you like, I'm going to go off and do my own thing?
1: Yeah. So that was um, I was 29, I think. And I remember taking the elevator down and telling the vice president uh, that I was leaving and this is a very buttoned-up uh, Midwestern guy, the vice president of of, of the ad agency God. I was working. I said, "I'm moving out to uh, I'm moving out to um, Martha's Vineyard, and I've got a job, and I'm going to work on my business plan and open a restaurant." And he just like looked at me like, Are you, "Yeah, okay, whatever <laughs> you say." <laughs> you said, you you're know? 29 years old. Yeah.
0: How and you opened Jumpin' Jays, was 2000 one or 2000 uh, May even? of 2000
1: 2000 Yeah
0: so what what year is it now when you when you have this discussion
1: What year is it now See that's I uh, it's got I have How to, old are you now? I can I can reverse engineer Oh sure I'm 55 <laughs> 55 yeah,
0: you're yeah. 29 yeah. so um horrible at math 26 years ago Yeah I guess so, so yeah. uh tw- I'm horrible 26 26- what's 22 22- Minus 26 is going to be a negative number. Two thousand nineteen ninety six is when you yeah, have this conversation. Okay, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is my math off? 2000 minus 4 is 96. So yeah. Nailed it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's 1996. Um, and you, uh, you, you say to your boss, I'm going to go to Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. So there's still four years between you sure, determining yeah. that you're yeah. getting away from ads and you want to get into the restaurant business. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: So that's great. That's a great point. And that that I started working on my business plan right then, and I must have rewritten it, rewrote it. Uh, I don't know, like thirty, twenty, thirty times. Um, it came from a conversation I had with Matt Goldsmith, who up here actually I was doing window sales. So I bounced around. I was working for Green Mountain Windows, a friend of mine's company, doing windows, and we were talking about a great restaurant in uh, Newport called Scales and Shells. And, uh, you know, Matt was like, you know, what Portsmouth needs, uh, is a great fish restaurant that, ha- uh, that's not fried mm. and something like scales and shells. So and you you have a history with
0: fish too, cause you're working at the fish market. Was there, was there yeah. a reason that what was, what yeah. was it about the world of fish that appealed to you?
1: Uh, I think it's just, a, it's a healthy option, but really it's what I, I work more on what I think is needed rather than what. Or what I like or what's needed. So Portsmouth needed a a good fish restaurant, a Mm -hmm. great fish restaurant, because everything prior to that was just fried or a lobster roll or a boiled lobster. Mm -hmm. So at what point are you deciding that Portsmouth is going to be the city? So I was between Newport, Martha's Vineyard, and Portsmouth. uh, And Portsmouth just had, had the most opportunity, cheapest rents. Um, I had a connection. I always wanted to come back here. In order to come back here, back in that time, you needed to carve out your own job. Uh, there wasn't, you know, there uh, there wasn't a ton of opportunity here to work for whatever company. Um, I think it's changed a little. There's a lot of these good companies here now. Yeah. So, but- what,
0: so 1996, you're you're committing to this vision to start a restaurant. The first thing you say you have to do is what?
1: I have to go work for really good uh working. I, I have to go out. So before that, I was just like partying and working in restaurants and having a good time. Yeah, you're in your mid-20s. That's what yeah, you're supposed to do. To- totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had to take a different approach now. I had to go back to these restaurants and say – um, Like, what are these guys doing right? What are they doing wrong? What would I do if I opened a restaurant? And then also get into some management. I managed in Boston. I managed two restaurants in Boston just to get my feet wet because that's a different skill set. I mean, you can't manage from bartending or waiting on the floor. I had to take a different persona and see how that felt and how to work through that you know so when you're
0: looking at these restaurants to go get your toes wet and to kind
1: of get the experience what was your criteria
0: what how are you deciding where to go to work
1: uh if they they would hire me (laughs) uh um, so at the time i had a, a girlfriend that was moving to boston from new york so i just said all right boston's the place i'll go um and i'll just interview different places and just get a management get my feet wet learning how to manage a restaurant. So how many in in
0: total, how many restaurants in that four year period between 96 and 2000, did you work in?
1: Uh, so one, two, um, uh, between, uh, I'd say four or five. Were there one or two restaurants
0: in your opinion that were most transformative for you that really took you to that next level of restaurant knowledge and just ability?
1: Sure. Yeah. The funny thing is, um, well, one is Cheska's on Martha's Vineyard in uh, South Water Street. Cheska's? Cheska's. Okay. Uh, sort of uh, Italian uh, restaurant. It was really good now. I, I don't know, even know if it's still there. The partners split up. There was a lot of drama within the restaurant, but at that time, it was a well-oiled machine. Uh, Joanne and Sue owned it. Great owners, you know, really took a perspective of having the full team involved in the process. Joanne was the chef at the time. Sue was front of the house. They were best friends. Um, and it was super successful. Line at the door right when you get there. Um, no reservations unless it was party six or more. And it was packed all summer. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, were there any other restaurants that we can get out now before we start pulling back the layers on these different
1: that I worked at, yeah, or, that I sure. I worked. Mixing. I worked at Milano's on Newbury Street. That's gone. That was a very pasta house. There was this other place called Road Trip that was bankrupt, and I went in as a manager. So that was a different experience. That I learned what not to do, and 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 these two owners were in marketing. Well, one was marketing for like Pizza Hut, okay, and they did everything wrong they they would eat at the restaurant and not tip their waiters okay you yeah. know? let's definitely pull back the layers yeah. that. which okay.
0: which came first would you say like in in order was it Jaska's, then Milano's then road trip or was it in a different order
1: um I would say- uh uh, these are places I worked, and I just I learned something from everywhere I worked. Okay. So I don't I don't let's let's start yeah. with
0: Cheskas because it sounds like this yeah. is the one that stood out to you that had the, the biggest influence on what to do right. Is yeah. that safe
1: to say, sure, Cheskas, Cheskas. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for correcting me,
0: uh, Cheskas. So uh, Joanne and Sue, um, just really start to pull back the the layers on who you were when you got there and who you were when you left, and how they helped tra- transform you.
1: Yeah, I I guess um, when I got there, I was very excited and I was like, uh, wow, this could be a great summer. I'm on Martha's Vineyard, um, um, you know, this island resort, sort of. And I've got this killer job that's going to be so, you know, pretty much easy because I know how to wait tables already because I've done it a bunch. Nothing further from the truth. It was (laughs) nonstop work. It was very treacherous working there because... um, If they didn't like, somebody didn't like you on the staff, they could convince the owners to fire you, um, which wouldn't be great for the rest of the summer. Um, so I, it was always pins and needles with some of the staff that summer. So my experience personally wasn't great, but my growth, I guess, in, uh, watching uh, a successful restaurant was good. Uh, They took a lot of input from the employees. Yeah. You mentioned that the first time and I wrote that down. Why
0: is that significant
1: for me? And it's everything. And it's, it's big with jumping Jays. Ah, you want to solve problems. You get everybody at the table and, and nothing works better than, than listening. You don't execute everything they say. um, But you at least give it a, a a well thought out uh, a listen. And then you work towards things because because truthfully either whether you're in the kitchen or you're on the front of the house you're, they're working through all the levers and the systems and so if they can give you better suggestions on how to do it it's much easier than somebody that's just watching yeah. from, you know this is a huge lesson that I've yeah. learned
0: in the yeah. years doing this podcast yeah. is it's those people who bring the entire team in on the day to day and you're opening your up yourself up to so much potential uh human bandwidth uh we we cut ourselves short every person on our team is some has has something to offer has a perspective has a certain skill set and when you don't open up the the channel of communication when you don't let them contribute you're just like what like you're selling yourself short you're selling your restaurant short absolutely yeah
1: absolutely um you
0: mentioned sue and uh joanne joanne thank you Uh, i like to say behind every great restaurant is great people was there one person in particular that influenced you as like a mentor?
1: You know, I've I've, I've been asked that. I I don't really, um, you know, I, I don't really have that one special person. I wish I did. Yeah. You know, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I have little pieces of people. Like Jay Gardner is a partner or was a partner, and this he owns the he owned the press room. Okay, uh, great guy. I thought um, that name was familiar. He was he was a friend. Um, and he invested in Jumpa J's. Uh, um, and uh, Joanne and Sue were good. They were tough. Um, they were, you know, um, that whole experience was very tough. Um, I made a ton of money. I backpacked through the uh, Far East for three months yeah, after. That's amazing. So I had great experiences. And sometimes, you know, people being tough isn't a bad thing. You know, one a busser that worked for me and then one went to work for a competing restaurant – uh, he, he said it was really tough working at Jumpin' Jays as a busser. Uh, but I learned so much that when I went to this other restaurant, I was like the best, yeah. you know, and it was such an easy summer after that. So you when know?
0: I hear the word tough, the first thing that comes to my mind is standards. You know, when you have standards, you're not willing to fold from those standards. I think that's what people interpret as tough. Is that what
1: you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean like this is, yeah, we have standards. This is the way we do it. You need to come and you need to do it this way. And, and that those standards aren't established from me. I'm not saying everybody's got to jump this high or something. This is collectively, we decided this is the way we need to do it.
0: So during this experience of you getting out there and getting all this experience over this four years from 96 to 2000, who were you like, who were you coming out of that versus the, the man you were going into that experience, committing to this journey?
1: sure i i think what came out of that is somebody like you said before uh in his 20s p- a party in a bit having fun and it came out with a, a focus a direction uh of who i am and what i want to to uh to establish and who were you and what did you want to establish so um so before uh I guess I, I I had this driving goal for Jumpin' Jays Fish Cafe, and I want I wanted to be an owner, and I, you know this multiple owner thing wasn't even in the in the in the on the horizon. It was. We'll get into that because yeah. I'm
0: really excited about that, and I really want to make an example of why you chose that path. But at this point, um, you're you're setting out to go open Jumpin' Jays. Uh, at what point did you start like working? All of your attention was going to, to getting to the school.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's right when I left New York City. I okay. mean, I took that job. So I, I had a, a client I worked on. Uh, it was Houston, X, Houston, Effler Herkshire, Favon. It was above Tower Records. Um, Hampel Stephanides was the New York component. But um, I f- Flew there to meet a client, NECN, and then on the way back, I took a break. I took a day off, flew out to Martha's um, Vineyard, interviewed with Joanne and uh, um, Sue at Cheska's and, and got the job and then went back and quit. Okay. So it was this great process where I it was like, all right, I did this, do, taking the steps, Um I think you're also smart to go on that
0: three-month trip while you still could, too. Totally. Those things were... You knew that once you started that restaurant, you weren't going to be going anywhere. That's place. exactly exactly <laughs> it. I did yeah. a,
1: another trip to Egypt, too. And I said, let's get this out of the system. Yeah. But all the time, any downtime I had in Martha's Vineyard, I'd go to the public library. I'd go to this public library. I was working on my business plan. Yeah. I mean, I must have rewrote it. And that's one thing that came out of that class I audited at the new school. They gave you this book. Which I've had trouble finding again. Uh, that was from uh, the uh, the National Restaurant Association, and it gave you like a step by step process on writing the business plan. And then, I, so I took that and I just kept working on it. And new ideas would come, and I put the menu in. And
0: how many business plans and, have you worked on since? I'm curious.
1: You know, once you get the success of one restaurant really well the The demand from the bank isn't as so the, the, uh, the, Yeah, the
0: business plan is ready to sell your vision. Yeah,
1: right? as a kid. Yeah, you know, really. Yeah. Uh so I am curious, though, for
0: anybody who's listening to this, uh, you did have to sell your vision. You did have to put a business plan together. Any advice for a good, you know, for putting together a good business plan?
1: I, I guess they have a bunch now, uh, like online, mm-hmm. that you can follow. You know, our, our, the 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 numbers, the projections are all based. And it really works. You know, I even say it to my partners today. Uh, you know, the numbers don't lie and it's all based on numbers. And you start with numbers really with a, with a restaurant, you start with a menu yeah. and everything uh, trickles out from there. you get your menu, you get, and then you put your prices on the menu. Then you pretend you're two people and you're out to dinner and you each, you share an app, you have two entrees, you figure out the check, check average. Then you take that and then you, then you do your floor plan. Uh, and it could be a hypothetical floor plan. And then those seats, you say, All right, we're going to turn the tables. I did it Sunday through Thursday. You're going to turn them once and you're going to turn them twice on Friday, Saturday. Yep. So, what's the significance of starting with your menu? Why is that so important? Well, your menu decides the, pr- you know, if you can put prices to things, just an average, what you figure you might price, then you can get your uh, check average. Yep. And once you get your check average or your check per person, then you can uh start to f- figure out your you're your shooting to get your gross sales for the year you get it for the month or you get it for the week and then you multiply it out right yeah and then once you get it for the year, you actually bring your da- you can just use uh excel spreadsheet and you just you have a percentage industry standards for things like linens uh operating expenses is it's jumped now to five or six of percent, but it was three yeah. or four. Labor should be at thirty percent. Food costs, depending on the the me- the menu, should be anywhere from uh, quick service twenty five percent, fine dining thirty two percent. So then I could just put in that percentage to those gross sales that I projected for the year and get all my expenses, yes. and then I and then it performs. By the end, I have my net income yeah. or net loss.
0: And your menu also helps you determine what your kitchen build-out is going to be. I oh, mean, totally. You, yeah, yeah. You, wanna, yeah. you don't yeah. need things in the kitchen. I mean, that's one of your big, yes. biggest expenses, opening yeah. a restaurant. And a lot of reasons why restaurants fail early on is because they are undercapitalized. So if you can get by with just what you need, right totally. to execute that menu yeah, and not yeah. overspend that's huge i do want to give a plug to restaurantowner.com uh who has amazing templates for business planning and we did a, a three-part series with stephanie robson uh one of the professors over at cornell university all on business planning so if you guys are in that phase and you want some incent some like insight on business planning episode 824 and i think the three i think 824 822 two, and 820 are those three episodes it's invaluable sorry i had to give a no i a love it i, I wish there. i had that you yeah know? i love that that's it's great it's a great resource and you get i will say too you get uh 60 days free access to restaurant when you when you get into the network if you want to get access to that stuff so um i think now is a really great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to kind of really dive into the step-by-step in executing your first restaurant and jumping jays where we're sitting
1: today sure in this moment oh, yeah
0: You're already using like toast to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at ww.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. We are back and uh, we just started talking about uh, your business plan and how that's where you started. Um, when did you start making moves to actually execute your business plan?
1: So once I thought I you know once I thought I had the business plan to to share, I mean I would share it with just uh, some close friends once I thought I was ready to show some investors, which uh, um, I sent it to some investors. I guess that's when I started making moves. So I wanted to, uh, you know, I didn't have a space yet, but I wanted to know I had some funds to. In in your mind, how much money did you say you think you would need
0: to execute this?
1: I don't know. Then. I don't know. Maybe a hundred thousand. I think I the number know. I saw is you got, yeah.
0: you got 90,000. Yeah. Yeah. You, you put okay. 20, 20 of your own, yeah. 30 from friends and family and 30 <laughs> no, from the so bank. Done some homework. A little huh? bit. <laughs> not too much.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that is right. I got, I I didn't, you know, I got 10 from three friends Jay Gardner, press room, Dave Forg, college roommate, and Jim O'Brien, a high school friend. Yeah. Uh, And so they each did 10. I had 20,000 on a credit card, I think. Okay. I think I got 20,000 from family, and that was instead of my wedding. So like my sister got twenty thousand. So I was like, hey, I, I don't know what I, if I'm gonna get married or married to this business. Yeah, though. <laughs> yeah. So I like my money now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so I got twenty thousand there, and uh, and then I went to Fleet Bank at the time, and uh, got a thirty thousand dollar loan.
0: But. I think it's important, too, to point out that we're sitting in Jumpin' Jays right now, but Jumpin' Jays today isn't what Jumpin' Jays was in 2000.
1: No, that's good. Yeah, you're right. No, it was 20, I think it was, I don't know, 18 seats when we started. Mm -hmm. It was all the grand plan. I had great landlords, Charlie and David. Uh, Charlie has passed away. I own this building now, Mm -hmm. which is a huge uh, pivot for me that maybe we'd talk about later. Yes. and david and they they really liked me and um how did they know you because you weren't you were
0: new to the city i mean you you were at unh you didn't like how did you have these roots in portsmouth?
1: oh no I, I didn't know them i looked at um i looked at what is now the goat and at the time uh was vacant it was the elvis room okay which is a big it has a lot of history and for in
0: our listeners who aren't yeah. in portsmouth that's like four yeah. doors
1: down uh, two doors down, two doors down. Yeah, uh, Same building, same building. Got it. So I looked at that and Dan de Grace, uh, came with me and I was trying to look respectable because I think I had a, a youth problem. Like nobody would take me seriously. So You're 29 I, 29 at this point. Correct? Yeah. 29, 29 maybe 28? I'm just, uh, I was a little too, um, like, cause I'm wet behind the ears. <laughs> I don't know. I see 29 years old and I, I like that they're old, you know, but I felt like, uh, I needed to impress upon these landlords that uh, I could pay the rent, I guess. So Dan DeGray shows up when we're looking at Crazy Cat Lounge. He's got a tie dye shirt on. It looks like he just got back from a Grateful Dead show or something. Like, dude, what are you doing? You know? (laughs) Charlie and David didn't seem to pay um, any attention. And I did not get that space. But as we walked past this, this was Bob's books. A Christian bookstore with neon corner lot, corner lot yeah. neon lights, and they said, "You know, Jay, this is going to come available next year." And uh, and and Dan's like, "Dude, you should get this, man. Get this, <laughs> yeah, corner." And I didn't see this them. is the guy with the tie dye, tie dye, totally. Can the, you can get sort, the visual image, sort of, of hippie yeah. and out. <laughs> uh, um, he and and he was right. You know, uh, Dan was absolutely right. Um, but what worked out most, uh, more successful for me is I could convince the uh, landlords uh, to take a little slice of the building first that was vacant, and that's where the kitchen is now. And I said, look, this is vacant. Can I take this next month, build it out for the f- next four months? And then Bob leaves at the end of May, and I'll assume that rent Starting in May, so you're paying for the rent for the kitchen space. So in their mind, they're probably is that. So so I got you know when you negotiate rent, sometimes you can get three months build out. So they gave me three months build out on this this little space. It was an office for like employment or something, and it didn't have any of those windows on Middle Street. We blew those out. Uh, Jim Gallant, uh, Mason, uh, great guy, helped me with that. A lot of help from friends. Uh, in the area from UNH, from working in the restaurants, um, John Recesso helped me paint, and mm-hmm. Kristen Port was boy was our first server, and she was awesome. But it was only about sixteen seats, and in the kitchen that's still there. Yeah, but what's the significance of starting small? So starting starting small is everything. You you can you get the ability to just grow the business and add on. Once you have the kitchen belt. And we had the systems in place and the menu established. I mean, we had a line out the door that summer because we, there was a demand. So we created that pent-up demand. So, you know, 16 seats, little line out the door. It was like a great Portsmouth secret. And there was a lot of vacancies between here and Market Square. People were saying, you're never going to make it down there. It's just too far from downtown Um Which is funny today because the whole I know you're like in the center of area Yeah the city's just completely Blown up so um, And then by night I would work the floor Kristen Would really wait the tables and everybody Loved her and um, and John Harrington's food was phenomenal Uh, The chef uh, When we originally started And um, And then at night I would uh, Be working on uh, during the day I'd be Working on this all summer Mm-hmm. So pulling up the carpet, getting getting this all ready. We say
0: this. What do you mean? Because
1: I the mean, folks listening. so the main dining room and this is the raw bar dining room. How many total seats today? I'd say it's a hundred. hundred. So yeah. you start
0: with eighteen. Yeah. In twenty two years later, you're at a hundred seats.
1: No, no. Um, okay. So it gets a little more confusing. Goes <laughs> back to that building up. I uh, subletted this room. The curves for woman and put a door out the front. Okay. And because I, I just didn't want to, it was too much space for me to manage. Yes. So again, it goes back to Where that. Did
0: You know this, how did you know this? Where's this intuition? Coming I, from?
1: I just didn't think there'd be the demand for this. And, and I thought it was an awkward, um, I wanted to make sure I had some rent coming in.
0: Yeah. So what you're talking about, and I I just have to like butt in here because it's so important. And this is one of the reasons, the biggest reason, in my opinion, why most restaurants fail is because they overextend themselves too early on. They're undercapitalized too early on and they can't, they don't have enough notoriety and awareness to fill the space because they they haven't built momentum into it. Right. When you start with 18 seats, it's a lot easier to fill 18 seats. And to manage that when you're small and it's only you and a couple other people, right? And you're also creating demand, like you said, like absolutely. You, you want butts and seats. You don't totally. want empty seats. Nope. And when you can fill seats easier because you have fewer feet, seats to fill, you know, like you, you just—it's that natural progression. The other thing is, people like when when there's growth, when they can see growth. So if you start really, really, really small, it's easier to grow just a little bit bigger. And now, wow, they're growing, they're expanding, you know, like but, like we need to grow. They say like you need to grow to, to stay alive. Sure. So when you start small, it's much easier to grow little by little than it is to go to a hundred seats in the beginning. And then you have most of your seats empty because you started to,
1: you know where I'm going with this? I totally do. And yeah. Not only do you might yeah. have seats empty is you might not be able to manage that growth. So all of a sudden, the kitchen's like we went from 18 to 100 plus seats uh we you know we don't have the systems in place to deal with this so Mm -hmm. when you went from 18 to 60 uh it's a lot more manageable and then you just brought on a bartender because we didn't have a bar when we first opened brought on a bartender and then two more servers so Mm -hmm. then and i'm still on every night so you know i think that's important especially for independent startups is just having being that presence why is that so important i I just think you know one it reduces your overhead Mm -hmm. because you're not sitting sitting at home and hoping to get a check and and paying somebody else but you're seeing everything and and you're meeting every people people like to meet the owner if possible you know It, it means more if they're there
0: what about the influence it had on your people your employees that to be there with them
1: yeah i I think it means all the difference, and that 's why I work uh with future restaurants to have owners involved uh working owners but what happens when the working owner's there? What does
0: that do to the culture
1: the it, it the buck stops there you know the buck really stops if the owner's there and they get people treat uh staff treat the owners different and customers you know the buck stops with the owner like Sometimes people will, you know, like want something for free. It's like, well, I'm the owner, making the decision. Yeah, this isn't a giant chain. Yeah. we do. Uh, we have bills to pay. Yeah. And um. In, in terms of culture, I like to say that nobody's going to show up more for your
0: business than you. And when you show up, when you're literally showing up every day, and you're you're setting the
1: expectation of what you expect. You know, you are the standard. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I'd get, you know, somebody pulled me to the side. Uh. uh way person a mom and she said wow you're really intense when you're working she thought she'd love working here because it looks so fun and everybody works together um and i said yeah i know i'm i'm just like i'm living this you know yeah. like i gotta pay the bills you know it's it's not it's not uh at the beginning i was a little uh probably too intense like uh, everything's on the line you know mm-hmm. like this is do or literally die. though totally do yeah. or die you know Uh, and so I had just seem more vested and, uh, uh, I could be again, that standard or tough, as you said, I could have been a little, uh, intense. Sometimes I'd like to, uh, address things in the moment to say, Hey, you're holding that wrong or you don't, that pitcher should never touch the glass, you know, when they leave the table. And I don't don't wait till Saturday or a week later to tell them because that people remember things as they're doing them wrong and it's easier to correct.
0: Is, is it good to do it in the moment?
1: Uh, sometimes it's not. Yeah. 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 Sometimes people don't like it. It's, I do it after they step away at the table. Like, Hey, this is what I, you need to do right. You know, why did you change that approach? Well, I just softened it. I didn't, well, a, I got further out of the restaurant and that's another story. Um, but B, uh, I just softened it, you know, You know, don't be as, you know.
0: What happens when you are more uh, hard in the moment?
1: I I think you can turn people off for sure. Um, You can turn your staff off. um, And that's not my intention. And my intention is to to solve the problems quicker.
0: Think about it. Anybody who's listening to this right now, have you ever been scolded or corrected hardly, like in a hard way in the middle of, Service, what are you thinking about for the rest of the night?
1: Yeah, it might not help their service. You're <laughs> yeah. right. You're right. You're right.
0: You're gonna. You're thinking about how much you hate that asshole yeah, for yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. throwing you off your game
1: or correcting you, and it, it just throws you off. I will say it's easier to do as the owner. Yeah, you know, because the buck stops with the owner. Yeah. You know, whereas if it's the assistant manager, manager, they're like, hey. I don't need that, you know? Yeah. But with the owner, they're like, okay, I get it. It's your place.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's kind of get back to our timeline. You opened in 2000. Uh, when did you open your second location? Actually, if you can just like, like I like to use this analogy, get in your your airplane sure. and zoom up to 30,000 feet sure. and give us the big picture, like chronologically, Without getting into detail, just the the restaurants you opened in chronological order.
1: Sure. Uh, Jay's in May 2000 expanded that Labor Day. And then then my landlords came back to me and said, hey, this crazy cat lounge didn't work out. Do you want to open something? So that was 2003, I think. And that was Radici. Okay. And at the same time, we expanded to the Raw Bar here and, and Curves for Women left. At the same time, the writer who was doing the story was Joel Harris, and he was like, "You ever think about opening a burrito place?" And I said, "Joel, that's a great idea, but you know, I'd have to be there, and I'm here." Yeah. And he said, "Wonder if I open the burrito place?" And uh, I said, "Well, you'd have to get experience." And that's, this is Dos Amigos. This, Dos, is, this t- is 2003 approximately. Okay. Keep going. We're going to dive yeah. into the details. Okay, and then so that's Dos Amigos. And then after that, um, okay.
0: I got little, uh, Luis,
1: L- little Luis. Maybe, okay. Sorry. So you got, all right, you've got the failures too. Oh, so yeah. Lewis Hamill are where we're going to yeah, learn the most. Yeah, totally. Lewis Hamill, uh, somebody came, uh, Lewis Hamill who owned, uh, Lindbergh's crossing, great guy. And he owned, uh, Ciento with was with like, 2005, 2004. They own that. I think 2000, Tom and Scott. Uh, Own Limburg's Crossing with, that was where the Blue Strawberry was. Okay. Uh, and then they opened Siento. Limburg's was a huge success. Siento. These spe- weren't your restaurants. No, no, right. no. I worked at Siento. Actually, that, that must have opened in 2000 and Limburg's was open earlier. Anyways, those are not my restaurants. So, Little Louis, I did with one of those partners, Lewis Hamill, great guy. What was a st- year on that. Still friends. I guess 2004 or five, okay. 2005 okay. and Jay Gardner from the press room. We opened little Louis fish house in Dover, New Hampshire and Dover soul. Okay. And it was a martini bar, kind of like the red door, which I opened with when I opened dos amigos with Cresta. Okay. Yeah. And Moxie was at the next one. Moxie was the next one. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lewis sent me his resume from the French you know, you got a recommendation from Thomas Keller, and the, that helps. <laughs> yeah, like holy cow! Yeah, and a great guy. Past guest on the show,
0: by the way. Yeah, One of my earliest guest, Matt Lewis. That was 2007, was it not?
1: Yes, I okay. think so. Yeah.
0: Um, and then we have Luigi's, or no? Then Frank, the Franklin Oyster, was the next.
1: Uh, or no. Yeah, it could be Franklin Oyster. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that it's, was it's three three years later. Was Franklin Oyster? I think 2010. But the, I don't know where the white heron is in there. Uh, that's with my partner Jonathan. Approximately it, mid, we'll say mid two thousands ish, right? Uh, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. I'd okay. say white heron. Was, okay. I have questions, but I'm, I'm
0: sitting on them until yeah. we get it all out. Okay.
1: And then, um,
0: let's see. Um, so the the restaurants we have not mentioned yet are okay. Luigi's West End Street. Uh, Ornell's and Vita Cantina
1: yeah so Vita was probably next 2014 maybe or 2013 14 okay. uh, and then and then um, Street and Luigi's came together that was 2018 I'd say okay um, and then um, we just opened New Hampshire Pizza Company in uh, Concord in January Um. I think, oh, Liars Bench Beer Company, I opened that, uh, I think 2015 with Dane and Dagan.
0: Great guys. we got a lot going on. Yeah,
1: um, yeah we have a
0: lot to unpackage. Yeah. So, I mean, those I think yeah. those early ones are the big ones because that's where you were really in it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm assuming as you scaled, you slowly started to put layers between you and the work.
1: Yeah, actually, right away, because I have a philosophy that I learned <laughs> from what not to do, is right away when I opened Radici, I, I hired a manager, Jay Krecklow, who owns uh, Ohana now. Uh, he, um, I, don't, I didn't want to be an owner that comes in in the middle of a shift and messes everything up and grabs a bite to eat and then walks out. So I really thought, like, I'm going to lose 10% of my my vision or, or, uh, like excellence, I'd say not that I'm excellent. Um, but I'm going to take a, a, a little less and I'm going to have to put somebody in my place. Cause I don't think I can be there and they can be there. Yeah. Somebody has to lead. That's a huge lesson.
0: Yeah. um, and you figured this out in 2003, which was you know only three years after opening Jumping Chase. Did somebody give you this advice? Did is something? No. You well,
1: there was a guy at the Black Goose Grill. Like I wish I remember his name. He would come in in Darien, Connecticut. He would get something at the bar. He would he would walk around and like, and then he would sit a couple tables. I don't know why, because he wasn't the host or the manager, and that would screw up the whole night because he sat him at the wrong tables and everything was mapped out on the reservation system. And I was like, I'm definitely never going to be that guy. You know, <laughs> and so, that guy
0: being the guy that comes in and just thinks, well, he literally does own the place. But what happens when you do that, when you throw off your team?
1: Yeah. You throw off everybody else. Cause you're not really there. You're not there to own those problems. Mm-hmm. You walk in and you walk out and I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. So before we
0: start talking about uh, the opportunity for Radici, um, you, and correct me if I'm wrong. This space that we're sitting in now, for the listeners um, who are joining us, we're in a, a space that's adjacent to. It's, it's all jumping J's, but it's like two separate dining rooms. Uh, you expanded over into the space. This was this radici's at one point where we're sitting.
1: Today? No, this was curves for women. Oh, curves. Okay, that's yeah. Right. The was Thirty DG's? minute workout was that next door. That uh, was in between. That's right.
0: Yeah. So there's. So when did you mm-hmm. knock down the wall for curves from curves? Uh.
1: Well, I think. Picked- the wall's still the there. Wall's there. I when just did put you some window. Yeah. Uh, I think two thousand three around. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, and and where were you before that? How how did you know you were ready for expansion at this point?
1: Uh just the uh, the demand and she was leaving. She said, you know what? Women should, don't the uh, woman uh, The woman who wound okay. a really nice person. She said women don't want to come into downtown in their spandex. They want to pull into a shopping plaza. And go into because it was a national chain, it was like a philosophy, and they want to park their car very close to the, which is kind of an irony because you know the whole thing is you 're trying to work out, so if you had to walk, that could be your warm up <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. but she said they want to park in, so she was moving to a plaza, okay, so I was like well i, I guess i 'm ready, you know rather than rent this again i 'm going to expand into this space, yeah. and it makes for a good function you uh, pharmaceutical dinners, yep. rehearsal dinners. I see that
0: you have the, the curtains that you can pull to separate the space yeah. and make the most yeah. of the space. Yeah.
1: Um, so I mean, but whenever I see
0: a restaurant tour who chooses to start small, eighteen seats, mm-hmm. right? And you you have space on either side of you, or in this circumstance, just on one side of you, to slowly grow as you build momentum. There's almost there, I see this all the time in success stories that they start small and they just naturally grow but they don't get start too big too soon was that strategic or did it just happen that way
1: No that was st- strategic definitely wanted to be feel the uh, the growth and make sure uh, that the customers were that the demand was there
0: okay yeah um so uh, radici so I'm, I'm saying that correctly Kurt. Predicci, yeah, Thank you. roots yeah. in Italian. If I ever yeah. say anything wrong, for the last name Cacciatore, you think I'd be a little yeah, yeah. Uh, on top of this, yeah, but totally. I, I inherited in my mom's Irish, um, like tongue, apparently. So yeah. I can't spit out these words out sometimes. Yeah. So when did this? How did this opportunity come across your, your play?
1: It was the landlords. They saw what I did here, and they're you know they were my biggest fans. They were like, "Wow, we saw what you did here. Would you be interested in taking over this space?" And uh, you know, I thought, well, you know. I could. And to be honest, there's something, you know, like I named this place Jumpin' Jays Fish Cafe, right? So, and I worked the front tirelessly the first three years. But, you know, after a while when you would name it jumping Jays everybody's like you're jumping Jay whoa <laughs> let's see you jump how high can you jump wow jump for us I was like ah, I gotta get out of here I'm going <laughs> nuts so because I named it jumping Jays I felt like all right I, I you know I need to move on because I don't know if I can handle it although I do love the floor and the action and and uh, the hospitality of it I just felt like maybe I named it. Wrong. Uh, so you so. started to
0: slowly move yourself out of the day to day when uh, Radici's came available. Uh, I think. Around I that think time. so. But for anybody who's listening to this, who is thinking about naming a restaurant after them, and and they hope to eventually move out of that space, any advice to that person on that transition out?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm fine with it. And Chuck Rolichek from uh, CR Sparks is the one that gave me the idea to name it after m- myself. Uh, he said, uh, you know, that's 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 going by the wayside with these chains that are called, you know, Applebee's or Chili's or um, this is a uh, this, you know, so he named it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to put the name in it and I'm going to put fish in it. And I want it to be lively, so it's jumping, and I want it to be casual, so it's a cafe, so jumping jays, so it all just came together. So I, I don't think the names; I think people like to identify to a name, sort yeah. of, and I like it. Like mm-hmm. I like Luigi's. Yep. Um, so how
0: do you, if you're, how do you go from being here every day mm-hmm. to slowly removing yourself and putting those layers between you and the work?
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I, it's tough for me to remember how I did that. I think um, I hired a manager and maybe I did the opposite days. I did the two days off. Okay. So originally somebody was doing the two days and I was doing the five days uh, after the first year or so. Um, and then I hired a manager and was still doing all the bookkeeping and bill paying. And, um, and then maybe I was doing the, the uh, uh, two days a week. Okay. And then eventually I got um So what were the first responsibilities that you started to shed? Um, yeah. Uh, maybe the bookkeeping. Okay. Uh, or maybe the management managing. I'd still do every six weeks. I'd do a staff meeting. We would do like a round table on a Saturday morning. Um, so that I was always involved in as the owner. And we did this at multiple restaurants. And then. But uh, the management of the nightly, I guess, is what I started to So in
0: 2003, when Radici's opens, what's the a life of Jay McSherry look like? like? You know,
1: I have trouble remembering. I don't know. We uh, had a lot going on yeah. that year. You had Radici's open.
0: You expanded Jumpin' Jay's to yeah. this space where we're sitting in today. Yeah. You had Dos Amigos that opened. Reflecting back at this time, like what were the lessons in this period that like really stand out to you? Things that you can pay for to, to our listeners?
1: i i i i don't make time for yourself that's for sure yeah. i mean it took me a while to figure that out uh um life's short um um I don't know, appreciating everybody or, or, or truthfully, it's making sure people know that you appreciate them. Sometimes I would say, if you don't hear from me, I really appreciate you. Yeah. It's when you hear from me that you know that there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: well, you, you started to allude to this earlier when with the expansion to uh, Retici's. He said, I don't, I don't want that business to hinge on me. You knew early on that you couldn't do it alone.
1: Right. So, uh, yeah, no, I can't manage two restaurants at the same time. And, uh, yeah, so no, it needs to stand, stand on its own. Yeah. So I hired a great chef who was, who was a friend of mine. Uh, and I, I took one of our employees and made him the manager got it
0: yeah. um so th- what was the reason for taking that employee and making him the the manager was there a thought uh, behind that or uh, he was up, somebody
1: he was up for the challenge yeah. and um and uh, and I love italian food so that was the influence there i wanted to i wanted sort of a big plate pasta place maybe milano's when i worked down on Newberry street was uh, an influence to do that okay. didn't turn out one of the things you realize is they're sort of like kids not that uh, i know my kids that well yet cuz they're
0: four and five still coming into their personality. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But all these restaurants are like kids. They all have their own that you could want them to be, you know, I wanted this to be an inexpensive pasta place that was, you know, higher turnover. And, and the, the chef I had originally sort of changed that and made it a little more fine dining without, you know, just through the, without me, like I, I had a direction and vision, but you know, it's a collective, it's a collaborative. So it doesn't always go the way you go. And the colors might have not been right for the restaurant or
0: So is it just recognizing that when you bring on partners, you, you might have a vision but you realize there's a, a place in the middle you have to meet your partner?
1: Yeah, I think that I think that all the time. I wish there was an eighteen inch pizza at Luigi's and there's still not. There's a twenty <laughs> inch and a sixteen inch. So I give a lot of uh I give latitude to other people in Why the world. Why is that important? You know, I, don't, I just believe I don't have, you know, it's not my way or the highway. It's a collective and I don't always, just because I don't like it doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, um, yeah, I value other people's ideas. And okay. I think that's helped a lot. Like John Harrington's menu was better than I could have ever. Like I sketched out a menu for the business plan, but the menu John came up with was, was in my framework, but was way better. I think just
0: self-awareness and yeah. lack of ego. And I don't want to put yeah. words into your mouth, but I mean, that's just kind of what I've observed. I mean, again, you have to keep in mind, I've interviewed a lot of your business partners. We've, right. just, we've spoken about you in interviews and what okay. they admire about you. So I'm I got to go back. And I'm trying to suppress that right now because I'm want. trying to get your perspective and what's sure. going through your mind. Sure. But um, there's absolutely a give and take that has to happen. And when when you let your partner's if it's just the Jay McSherry show, yeah. and you're kind of dictating and bossing people around, how are they going to buy into it? How are they going? You have
1: to give room for your partners to have a sense of identity in that as well. That and they're there all the time. Yeah. Like if that that chef or that line cook is in the kitchen all the time, so for me to say you know, you, you need to do this all the time, uh, or we have to do it this way. They're the ones that are living and breathing it every day. So, yeah.
0: so Jay Gardner, um, your partner or your investor in and Jays, one of your investors in Jumpin' Jays, he came to you with this idea for Dos Amigos, you said?
1: No, that was Joel Harris. Okay. Joel yeah. Harris. Yeah. So
0: let's, let's, let's see if there's any lessons there.
1: So partnerships or (laughs) I mean, just what those amigos,
0: like how did that come across your your table? So
1: yeah. So there's a great thing. That was a huge, well, one is open your door to all opportunities, you know, hear people out or check things out. And if things are meant to be, they're meant to be. I really say 80s barbecue, a guy from 80s came through the side door looking for a job. I said, why are you looking for a job? He said, well, 80s is going to close. So uh, I got on the phone with Joel and I said, hey, AD's closing, that'd be perfect for a, a, a burrito place. So, and I have clout now because I have a successful restaurant. And the owners, again, of that building are very good people, uh, Chase and Vicki Robinson. Chase has since passed. And um, God rest his soul. Uh, great guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I I leased the space from them easily because I had credibility. And I made Joel go out and work in a burrito place. And so he we went up to Portland for a month and worked in a burrito place. Mm-hmm. But he, he loved a place at UMass. I forget the name of it. So that was his influence. But I opened my door to Joel, and then we had the second floor. And then I'm friends with Cressida Smith, who used to work at the Stockpot, who's a great bartender. And she wanted to open this Bar style so we could do the red door. So that was upstairs. We forgot the red door. Yeah, the red, red, door red door is upstairs. Martini bar, burrito place downstairs. It worked out great. Gave gave Joel an opportunity, Cresta and myself. And uh, eventually we ended up buying the building from home. Um, um, things change. Times change. That neighborhood's changed. So. Yeah. Um, um, I just recently sold that. Mr. Kim's was in there, and yep. we closed down last fall. And,
0: you at one point you had Dos Amigos in, in Portsmouth down the street. Um, you had Dos Amigos in Dover.
1: Yeah, uh, were there any other Dos Amigos? Sure, there was a dose. There's a dose in Concord still. Yeah, there was a Dos Amigos in Rochester. That's right. There's a Dos Amigos in um, Newburyport. Okay, yeah. how many Dos Amigos are there today? There's
0: one. One. So you went. So. I was curious about that because I know the one in Dover is no longer there. I nope. know the one in, in Portsmouth is what, what happened with Dos amigos?
1: You know, you'd have to get uh, Joel in on this okay. as well, but two, a couple things. One is we, uh, the one in town did very well for a while, but that neighborhood changed. Um, and other Mexican places opened up. So they take a bit of the pie. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the concept got a little, you know, had been around for a while and just lost some of its fans, I yeah. guess. I was really surprised, honestly
0: speaking, when I saw those clothes because it happened right around the pandemic. And that that sector seemed to do really well during the pandemic. Uh, because, yeah, no, it, you're right. You're, because burritos travel well and you can do the bowls. Great. And it, I don't know. I was just really surprised. Great takeout. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, again, it was location. We moved to Port Rock over in Portsmouth, and I don't think that was a great location. Um, You know, sometimes, you know, I I don't have the silver bullet. I have a partner there, Joel. Um, Maybe it was some of the management or uh, uh, decisions. Um, But one thing people say that I'm good at, (laughs) which is, Um, I, I always go back to the numbers and if the numbers aren't there or if there are a problem with them, I hammer out and I will close a place. Where
0: did you learn about numbers? Who taught you about numbers?
1: Oh, I just took, you know, I was a minor in business. I took accounting and, and, and really it's just the numbers don't lie. That's what I say to some of the partners all the time. Like, um, and so you need to, if you need to get those numbers right or else, and if you can't, you need to sell or, or get it right. So, so what, what numbers are, sorry, did I cut you short? No, no, you didn't. So so what numbers are, are
0: most important to you? What numbers are you paying attention to the most?
1: Sure. I mean, I think McDonald's, like a chain like that, p- pays attention to these by the hour, if not by the 15-minute segment. I pay attention to them by the month. Uh, it's, uh, it's food, liquor, and labor. Okay. So food costs, liquor costs, labor costs. And, and so your most costs. mostly labor and and food are your big ones. Yeah. And what are you
0: looking for when you're looking at those? Like when you're really drilling down, like how do you know when it's time to close?
1: When you can't get those down, well, really I look at the the, the biggest things, the bottom line, right? If you're in the negative all the time, you yeah. you, you got to move on. And it could be the concept, or it could be your management, or your chef, or your, yep. you know. um, so, I look at to those to be on industry average so thirty percent twenty five percent depending what it is um most of my places do not have a problem with, ever with liquor it's more food and labor yeah so when you start having an issue with the numbers, what's your process to correct the numbers i I work with the chef I work with the uh with the team and saying we just got too many people working tonight. I mean, I know it's great if you want to carry these people, but you you're you're sacrificing the success of the restaurant mm-hmm. uh or the life of the restaurant or, or its future if we can't manage this properly.
0: So what's the so when you're looking at the numbers, the when you and you realize you have to shed some weight, the first thing you look to shed is labor
1: expense. No, I mean, you can raise, like today, you're, we're raising prices. Yeah. So and we're increasing wages. And I'm happy because for the longest time yeah, totally. I, I
0: think that we've been afraid to do that. Yeah because we're afraid of the consumer, reactive to the consumer. What's the consumer going to do if we raise prices? And we collectively did that as an industry at our own cost, at our own expense. And I think for the first time it's since I've been doing this podcast, collectively the industry is saying if we want to be taken seriously then we need to charge what this the service is this this value that what it's worth we need to charge what it's worth
1: well i don't think it's uh, like i like if i want to survive i have to raise prices yeah. i don't know about people taking me seriously but i mean cpi went up 7% last and that doesn't even crack the surface cuz i don't think the cpi and consumer price index includes food and so uh but uh, wages have gone up 25%. And I'm happy. Like, that's great. Yeah. But we've got to pass on those costs. Yep. And, and, you know, if you go to other countries, things are more expensive, yeah. and that's why. Yep. So we have to pass on the cost of labor, and we have to pass on the cost of food, or pull it off the menu, like avocados are just shot through the roof. Um, so, so we don't control those prices. At the
0: same time, I, I think it's yeah. safe to say the consumer expectation has risen since, like, the mid two thousands,
1: the for quality of food, or yeah, yeah definitely. The, well, I, I'm not. well That's a, a different topic, but I mean, for my customers, I think the expectations there Why is that. Do you think? Uh, I, I just think they've gotten uh, people eat out more, and they've got accommodated. Now, I'll say the bulk of America, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of people that love mediocrity, like they like their food bland, <laughs> and there's restaurants yeah. that meet that demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's others that really strive. So I, I, I'm not trying to please everybody uh, in the country. I just need my seats to be full. So people yeah. liking what I, we do. So we strive to make it as best as possible for sure. Yeah.
0: I'm looking at the time right now. We're already an hour in uh, four minutes of recording time into this, this interview. It goes by really fast. There's no way we're going to be able to cover each and every one of these restaurants in detail mm-hmm. that you've opened. So... Back to our pre-interview chat, where I said I really just want to focus on the areas where you really elevated your game, where you evolved as a restaurateur, business practices, things you started doing differently that took you and your collective businesses to the next level. What were those phases? Those those evolutionary points for you?
1: Well, for me, it's always partnering with uh, with a chef. Okay. You know, partnering with the kitchen, and it's finding the right guy. And one thing I realized, I think, by the fifth year, is you really just want to work with people. That you like or get along well with. There's life's too short to be in a constant uh, battle or friction uh, with a partner or somebody. So for me, it's it's you know finding the right people that have the right work ethic and partnering up with them. Okay. So how do you find these?
0: So I have to admit, one of the things that I've identified about you um, that really inspires me, and I hope the listeners take away from this, is that you are constantly creating opportunity for other people. And it seems like you're really passionate about real estate and your focus is real estate in in finding spots and then filling those spaces for your people. But I don't want to make assumptions. Is that... Intentional or what's going on there?
1: Well, there is a sidebar on real estate. So like I think his name, Ed Croc, the guy from McDonald's. I mean, he said he's not in the hamburger business. He said he's in the real estate business. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, one thing, once you have one successful restaurant, uh, you know, the SBA will give you good loans, uh, and you can go out and, and you can capitalize on your credibility, uh, in the industry with banks and go out and buy real estate. And whether that restaurant's successful, might not even matter. I mean, I always strive to have a, a, a successful restaurant, but if you could just pay the rent for 20 years, you might have a $2 million dollar asset. Yeah, you know, especially, I mean, you got in 2000, 22 years yeah, later, yeah. a lot of your assets have appreciated. Mm. Totally, yeah. I, I, this town has gone off the hook. Yeah, And so I got in early, I have about, I don't know, seven buildings and uh, nine, house apartments or whatever so i've definitely been able to um use the leverage of being a restaurant owner to buy real estate and it's it's just snowballed so i just want to make sure
0: i heard that because i was curious once maybe i thought you have like a uh, somebody behind you whether maybe you inherited something from family or you know a bankroller or somebody with deep pockets (laughs) that was just throwing you money no so you just use your reputation and you is, is with the I
1: banks, started? yeah, with the banks. So if the banks buy into you, they will fund, fund, fund you. Mind you, you have to put your 20% down or 25%. Now, if you do an So uh, uh, SBA 503 loan, you only have to put 10% down, uh, and half your loan is fixed for 20 years. So if you're in a good uh, mortgage interest rate time, that could be you know 3% fixed for 20 years on half your mortgage, which is – Phenomenal. You know, yeah. it gives you stability. Uh, I want to talk
0: more about um real estate because I know you have an eye for it. Um, but you mentioned something quickly. It's just like you partner with chefs. You reached a point, you said about five years in, that if I don't like this person, if I can't get along with this person, this person, like, what are you looking for in a partner, I guess? When people approach sure. you, yeah. like, what, what are the things you're looking for?
1: Well, f- one thing I'm, you know, other than I think Matt, one thing I'm looking for is people to work for me first, so we can there can be a mutual respect. Either um, like I could see like Dave Vargas is a hard working guy that gets you know is, is in it to so win you it. Want you want know? people
0: to work for you first, so it sounds like you. Yeah, another way of saying that is you want to recruit or, or, or sorry, yeah, recruit from within. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely,
1: okay. yeah. I want to. I want to. If I was to give somebody ownership, I don't want. For the most part, I don't want somebody just knocking on my door and saying, hey, I want to be your partner. Uh, I need to, I need a proven track record. Mm-hmm. So Will had a proven track record in New Barbecue. That's Will Mishka. That was
0: with David uh, over at Bida Cantina. Dave Vargas yeah. over at
1: Sous chef there. And now uh, the three of us own or- Ornell's yeah. over on Badger's Island. That's mm-hmm. really successful. You did it with Kate. Kate worked here eight years. We just had to get Kate out of here. You know, like she was she was burnt on jumping jays, and uh, so uh, promoted to uh, promoted to owner over there, and she's happy and it's great, and she has a house over there and a son and yeah, uh, real penny tavern. Yeah.
0: You, know? you also uh, you mentioned except for Matt, and you were talking about Matt Lewis Moxie. He was a different scenario. He approached you first.
1: He approached me with this. He mailed me. He didn't even approach me, and it had the recommendation from Thomas Keller. Keller, that's like the gold seal of approval yeah. or something. He opened per se. He was working at the Wentworth. To, to, I, I put in four or five years there. So yeah, Matt was a different. You know, he got more ownership right away. Or we were. He. It's his character too. I mean he his work ethic is uh yeah. nonstop and um he is um he's very humble mm-hmm. you know as far as like you know, I think he said to me when I said, I could pay you this to start, he said, I I, I can do it for 20% less. Really? That's the kind, like, I was like, now, ah. why did he do that? Did he ever tell he's you He's just, I, he just, because we, we're, we're a startup, so yeah. he's bootstrapping it. And but he's I think saying, there's something
0: to be said. If you have a 20% yeah. extra revenue to put back into the business. Yeah, that's what he, yeah, yeah. He's,
1: he's saying, uh. I can get by on this. Let's do this and uh, and let's make it work. Yeah.
0: So he um, he mailed you something. You know, like a-
1: he mailed me like uh, uh, his resume, a recommendation from Thomas Keller, a couple other things. And and to be honest, me and Matt and I was a process. I said you've been working at the Wentworth, n- not no knock on the Wentworth, but it's a hotel, and you need to get back out there and get the passion, and you need to. And I don't know if he mentioned any of this in his interview but so he went out and he went to noma he went to spain and uh, uh, uh just researched and i just said you need to find your concept yeah. and your passion before we can really take the next step and he went and worked uh stodged with david chang and uh, uh, mama fuccos and 11 madison he stodged at And uh, I think Noma offered him a job, you know? So, so he, so he What was his response to that? When, when he told him you had to go do these things? He, I think he, he, he got that. Yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, like a lot of times, I mean, sometimes I have things I want to do like, uh, Luigi's. I just like there to be really good pizza in town. Yeah. Um, and that, and I'd like there to be good sushi. So we're opening a sushi place. So, um, but other times. You know, if he's coming to me, I'm like, what do you got? Like, Joel came with the burritos. I yeah. said, yeah, sure. I'd love a good burrito in town. There's a free Fort Chipotle's everywhere. Yeah. Um, and um, so, but I said, you have to, you, you know, I don't have the concept for you, Matt. You've got to have the concept for you. Yeah. I think there's something too yeah.
0: to be said. Um, media and the, the, the people buy into a story. Right. Right. And when I think when you can get out there and you can go travel and do all these things to go find your purpose, to go find whatever it is you're trying to do, that, that becomes a part of the story. And you can use that to market and promote the brand. Right. Versus just going from one restaurant to the next. You take a sabbatical, you travel the world, you get all this experience. You can now tie your name, your restaurant name to all these other brands. Imagine starting before getting that experience. You know, like you can you can't say that I work for David Chain and Momofuku. You can't say that I went to 11 Madison Park or um, uh, 11 Madison Park. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. David Chang. Um, Yeah. So like the point being is like all that goes back into selling the product and experience because you get to tie your you get to associate your name, your brand with
1: all these other successful brands. There's something to that. There there totally is. But it's also, you know, he would have never got there if he didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, And that's how we got Moxie, which is a New England, you know, everything, all the ingredients for the most part when yeah. it originated. Yeah, I, mean,
0: okay. I hate to say it, but I feel like people are sheep. And when they, they see that you can associate your name with other successful names, they just kind of assume that you, you are the best. We don't – people don't really do the work to go digging. They want right. to see what unsafe, va- the the okay. uh, surface fa- yeah, uh, surface yeah. value, like right. who are you associated with? Right. And I don't agree that that is the right way, but right. people ch- tend to try to find the path of least resistance. Right. So like if they can see that your name's associated with other right. successful brands, it's going to take you a long way,
1: especially to the press. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It gives you a lot of respect. Yeah. Yeah. Instant.
0: So one of the things I really want to get out of today's conversation, again, back to this idea of like when were the evolutionary points for you? So it sounds like the first evolutionary point was recognizing that you can't do it alone and that you look for chef partnerships.
1: Say that again? I'm sorry. That
0: you, you recognize that you can't do it alone and that you yeah. look for chef ownership yeah. or chef-owner okay, partnerships.
1: sorry, sorry. fine? Um, what, what evolution? Uh, because I can't cook. You know, like <laughs> I, I mean, I have cooked. I've worked the line, and so I have a great respect for it, and I've worked busy nights. Um, but it's not your strength. It's, it's not your lane. Yeah, it's not my. You know, I'm not. Yeah, so I'm not going to be the chef, and I and I don't want to pretend to be. And so I want to partner with somebody who knows that domain. Yeah. So as and it's passionate about it.
0: So as you start to open more restaurants and get more partnerships under your belt, more moving parts. What did you have to start doing differently to manage all that?
1: Um, I don't know. Constant meetings, so communications huge for me. Like constantly meeting every week, and 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 then trying to meet uh, them doing meetings with the staff because communications the whole yeah. Um, of it what have you, you
0: learned about communicating and how to set that up like paint the picture of what you j group hospitality does to effectively communicate what, what's that framing that standard look like
1: yeah um just the weekly meetings you know and and getting th- everything on the table and asking people directly wh- what they think even if they're not talking in the meetings mm-hmm. you know um what else? Pre meals doing pre you know, before we open, we usually have a, a food for the yeah. staff.
0: So you have the six week meeting that you mentioned every six
1: weeks. Yeah, that's when at Jay's All hands we on used deck. to. Uh that was at Jay's, that was the way. I can't say for every yeah. restaurant we do that now.
0: You do a pre meal before every, every shift.
1: Every night, yeah. yeah. What else do you do? Um I don't know. I'm constantly in the, in the thick of it. I have a facility manager. We're con- we all report out every night, so I read every report every night from every restaurant. So uh, is that
0: on your own, or what? What do you mean? You read out like you?
1: I get it. We do an, a group email every night. So okay. Jay's tonight. Uh, Stacy will do an email where the chefs on it. I'm on it. What's the format and of that email? It's just, uh, gives it just gives it. We do each place is a little different, but we do the sales, the cover count, any incidents that might've happened, any customer that was an issue or, 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 and what we need to do next, any, any maintenance issues that are a problem. Um, and the facility managers on that email, and then I'll even resend it to him to make sure that that's a priority. Uh, staffing issue, anything that comes up, it's all communication. Like if somebody doesn't know that, bobby uh was late you know then they go in the next and they're late or they don't show we need to know that we need to resolve issues i'm all about getting things done
0: is there a process that you follow in making sure that things get solved and, and, and kind of wrapped up and taken care of
1: yeah and you know i wish there was because i you, you know you're making me think of different restaurants <laughs> now and i wish there i mean i i I, I sometimes assume like some easy tasks will get done just like personnel files. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, they, it goes by the wayside. It's stuck in somebody's car. I'm like, how can this happen? You know? And, and, and uh, a young kid's looking for his check or his father comes in and say he hasn't gotten paid. Yeah. I'm like, what? Uh, I'm like, how can we not have the personnel file in? But, uh, so things do fall through the crack. We're cracks. We're not perfect. Uh, we, we try and just hire good people that are on it and, uh, and, and then we try and uh, constantly communicate. I do say in these staff meetings, my, nobody takes me up on it, uh, <laughs> uh, that my phone number is on the job board and, uh, um, or if somebody wants to reach me, 24-7, 365. Because I really do live it, breathe it. Like somebody calls me at 11 at night and I'm up you know uh i'll I'll work right through whatever the issue is yeah and it could be personal it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be like i'm not getting along with jimmy you know or something it could be like my dad's yeah uh, you got to be on it
0: so i mean with somebody who has partners in so many of your businesses um what is it that we can learn from you about partnerships and what makes a good partnership work
1: Well, liking the person certainly does, you know, having the, you know, some of my, I, I, you know, I talk to Dave and Matt Lewis as much as my wife sometimes, you know, like, you know, uh, somebody was giving me a hard time that they were low on my, uh, I don't know what you call that on your phone, like your special people, your
0: speed dial or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: she's like, I'm way down here. (laughs) I was like, well, I call you once every month, you know? Uh, but, um, But Dave and Matt, I talk to regularly um, because we have multiple restaurants together, you know.
0: And you did mention prior that you tried to uh, promote from within. So you you have this natural period of bumping up against these people and making sure that there is a chemistry there as far as personality goes.
1: Yeah. Chemistry, uh, work ethic, um, integrity of the person and likability. Yeah. Like, um I mean I, I, there's no I like everybody I yeah. guess for the most part. But when you're working constantly together you have to have yeah it, it is a relationship it's not yeah. your it's not your um personal relationship or whatever but it is a relationship that you need to needs to work.
0: Do you, you know? have any hard lessons learned when, regarding relationships and business partnerships?
1: Y- yeah it goes back to l- like y- y- you know, sometimes also putting things on paper, like some it's not like ha ha I got you, this is on paper. It's you put it on paper so you collectively hammer out what what you're agreeing It's alignment. On. Yeah, it's alignment yeah. and it's documented. It's not documented for a lawyer or to get sued. It's documented so we can refer to this if we need to. If, if somebody's confused yeah, to protect
0: all parties, not to hurt parties.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Not just me, but my, the partner themselves, like when we agree on doing things, uh, or giving more ownership or giving raises. So, um, so documenting things, uh, what are some hardships I've had? Uh, yeah. Well, drugs and alcohol can be a big problem in the industry. Yep. Um, so having that in check is important. Um, um, people's commitment you know level like you know I'm in it th- to win it or that's just a phrase but failure's not an option I like hearing that yeah. you know people are going to put their all in you definitely want to have a committed partner that wa- that wants so another thing is in general in an interview for a waiter or, or what I look for is somebody that wants to be here or be doing this
0: how do you know they want to do it
1: I, they they show up and give it their all and are are into it they're passionate about it
0: yeah um regarding like operations cuz when you first started in Jumbo Jays you were here all the time you now have all these different locations you can't be everywhere all the time to make sure everything is going good you do have partners that can kind of keep their thumb on things but have you scaled your your operations are you more have have you leaned more towards system process procedure with more restaurants.
1: Versus- so yeah, every restaurant has its own, you know, employee manual. The service at Jay's, uh, is the best service I think, but the service here, uh, isn't what somebody's going to demand for at Ornell's barbecue. So, uh, so, to implement this service there might almost be ridiculous to a customer there. Yeah. Like, why are you over here cleaning yeah. my table? Yeah. You know, um, I just want to hang out with my buddies, you know, um, so we have certain standards, higher standards at the fine dining restaurants, but, um, uh, systems are everything, right? Uh, systems, uh, checklist systems, uh, and some are more intense than others depending on the restaurant.
0: Yeah. You know? So the higher touch restaurant, the more rigid maybe. I think
1: you have to have the more details on how you do things. Yeah. 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 So what is it in all the
0: restaurants that you have in that you think separates your restaurants from other restaurants? What do you do? Well, what is your strength?
1: Well, I, I tell you, we care 110%. So we monitor, uh, all the, you know, the Facebook or emails or, travel or yeah uh i don't even know all the sites we monitor those we respond to those we respond to every uh any any concern from a customer uh will get our time so Mm -hmm. we're not we're addressing everything every day we're not uh and we're always trying to improve so we're not we don't take anything for granted and you're only as good as the meal you served last night. And I think we do believe that. And there's some things that can go off the rails. It's amazing how a restaurant can still run and things you're missing something, whether it's somebody is drinking on the job or something. And, and, uh, and then we just try and get up and do the best job we can the next day, you know? Yep.
0: So the only thing that I haven't, uh, really pull back layers on uh, things that I'm really uh, things I think you can speak to especially well is real estate because you're, you're you have so many locations uh, it seems like you're constantly looking for opportunities or to, mm-hmm. the, to pick up real estate to create opportunity for your team uh, what are you looking for in real estate as somebody who owns so many locations
1: now so um, I know the I know the podcast is restaurant restaurant unstoppable but I might be ready to stop yeah. you know uh, coming up in the next few years, because talking about retirement, uh, I'm talking about not doing as much, okay, uh, constantly expanding Spending more and time maybe family. In, internally family and internally focusing on the restaurants we have, maybe because there, if you're always looking out, you're missing something within, you know,
0: yeah. So I love that you say that. I like to say often when we think of growth, I think we think external physical growth. Right. But growth comes from looking at what you're already doing
1: better too. Right. Like Absolutely. I've, yeah. Sometimes I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with real estate, you know, what I, what I, I look for, I, you know, you know, I look for the low hanging fruit sometimes like our where that was a place that the, the previous owners, I knew nice people. Uh, they weren't happy there. Their concept wasn't working. Uh, turnkey operation, working in a good environment where the city appreciates uh, the restaurant that's there, that you can do an easy build out. Yeah. So uh,
0: so turnkey operation, meaning you can just move right in. Um, that mm-hmm. first note, it sounds like you're saying like being someone's exit strategy, like low hanging fruit. Like if somebody's not happy and they're looking for an out, be the out. Is that yeah, what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. Got it. Yeah. What else?
1: Um, what I'm looking for, if it has to be, I, I ideally like to own. Cause, uh, but if you can't own, I want a good landlord. Mm-hmm. What do you look for in a good landlord? Uh, somebody that's fair and honest. And that's something I, I I was thinking about, and we haven't touched upon. And I know uh, we don't have too much time, but you know, I look for that in a good landlord, a good employee, uh, and good good employer. Mm. So be fair to your staff. Staff, be fair to you. Your landlord, be fair. You know, it's not a. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be like we're all trying to get one something over on each other like if something's the landlord's responsibility he should step up and take care of it and i'm a landlord too yeah i have 26 offices there i got apartments around town and i rent to other people it's to, to be present and 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 if if you know if i'm paying rent uh they should uh they should respond to the problem at hand or help me get through something uh if if it's like COVID and we want to put an outdoor patio on
0: yeah so um, on that note of things you
1: were hoping to talk about that we yeah. haven't spoken oh yeah about, <laughs> what are some of the things that you want to talk yeah. about so uh one thing i'd say is like uh or some you know like I, I don't it's not a complaint but what's important in the restaurant industry that i don't want to see leave is i want to see a menu on the table and i don't want to see people using their phones um, i think it's when you're in a restaurant, it's your two hour vacation. It's your time away from your kids or roommates, or it's a, it's a special time. And I think people forget that sometimes. And we bring in, you know, the devices and the handheld devices at the tables. I don't really like, I I think it looks like you're on your phone again, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want, I think there's something about uh, a restaurant. Uh, I know we're moving into modern times and fast food can be one thing, but, Uh, a weight a dining experience should be more than just food that lands on your table and uh, and it should be atmosphere and it's lighting and music and the air temperature and you know a lot of people don't realize that and 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 that needs to be spot-on and this is time off so take your time away from your uh, electronic devices And and that includes the staff too. Yeah. You know? So I, I guess I'm hoping we don't lose that kind of. Uh, uh, I don't think we're going to lose that. I mean, during COVID, some of that changed, and it had to because of the touch yeah. ability. So it's that. That's a little peeve I want to get out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did hear that you're you have the New Hampshire. Um, what was it? The the late, one of your newest concepts, New Hampshire Pizza Co. Um, how many locations is that right now? Just one. Just
1: one. Are you looking yeah. to scale that? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I just you know, I just hope it it does all right. Yeah. You know, yeah, pizza's a lot harder. Like if you ever have a, a pizza chef or restaurateur on, uh, it's a lot harder than everybody thinks. And Josh from Street. I bought streetza from him and Michelle uh, Street and Streetsa. Uh, and I said, So what happened at Streetsa? And he said, Wow, well, pizza's a lot harder than than I realize. And I would say the same thing. What's more difficult about pizza that people don't realize? I don't know. The, 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 there is more of a cost to it with the toppings and. Uh, um, I don't know. It's just not as easy. I don't think it's as easy. A good pizza is not a- as easy as ever. I mean, if you are
0: trying to do a scratch recipe, yeah, you know, and you're using yeah, your a, own dough, a, and your own culture, like that's a a, a living thing. You got to keep going, <laughs> yeah, and, totally. And it's a it's a very temperamental thing that changes with the weather, literally.
1: Totally. Yeah, <laughs> that is totally. The weather is a huge factor. The water, the weather, humidity, yeah. temperature, humidity. all yep.
0: that stuff, and it's hard to keep that to to do yeah. that standard. They have yeah, have consistency in that. Yeah. Uh, if you want to do it like you said, well, right. Yeah. Um, you, you have, I mean, it, it's not just like you're opening restaurants and creating opportunity for other people. You have, um, t- taken over other restaurants or sold uh, people have sold sure. their restaurants yep. to you. Uh, you just mentioned street, um, Th- that was two owners, correct? A husband and a wife?
1: Yes, Josh and Michelle, yes. Yes. And their son was the manager. Yeah, one of their sons. So yeah. how do you go about navigating those
0: circumstances where you're not just buying an empty lot or a ba- somebody is looking for an exit strategy? Is that what was going on here? Were they just done with the restaurant industry?
1: Yeah, I think they were a little burnt out um, uh, from what they're doing and and, uh, and want to take a break and move on. and um, And... I love the restaurant. I mean, it's a great I love restaurant. It too. Yeah. yeah. The, the food's great. It's really- Culture's good. Culture's good. Uh, and so we try to not change too much, just just give it the support it needs and the, the sort of the management it needs and fix things that were broken. And yeah. we're opening a second one in Exeter. I was going to say that, but yeah. I wasn't sure if I was allowed yeah. to- Oh, yeah. To,
0: no. So um, this is the first full service restaurant that you're duplicating. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, You've true. had Dos Amigos with multiple locations. Yeah, that's true. But this is the first full-service, multiple moving parts. I mean...
1: You are absolutely right. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Anything different about that? Uh, I do... I actually have thought of that. I mean, I was thinking of calling Exeter E Street and this, and then eventually call this P Street. And yeah. then if we did another one somewhere else, we could call it like F Street or something. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it can cheapen the brand, people say, but... Street is a a very resilient concept. I mean, if you walk in there, you're like, and this is what I love about it. Like you could throw something on the wall that has nothing to do with the restaurant and people would be fine with it. You know, like it's just pretty broad demographic too. huge. That's what I didn't realize. Like tons of older people in there. You know, I thought it was all young hipsters or. You know, it had to be young people, but no, there's a ton of families, older people, people seeking it out, you know, like a guy, I I had a problem with my car and he was driving me, I think, home or something and but he lived in Nashua. He said what what restaurants do you own and I said uh I said well I you know listed a few and then I mentioned street it goes oh we love street and I'm like but you live in Nashua <laughs> he's like yeah and, and this guy was retired that's why he was driving me this was his retirement it, job it, just to keep it, busy you know yeah. um so I'm,
0: I really loved today's conversation um so i've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time you did not disappoint jay oh Thank thanks you so much. yeah thanks um the, the mission statement of restaurant Stoppable is to inspire empower and transform the industry um you already mentioned when i asked you what was broken with the industry what you think needs to change you talked about the digital aspect and how you want to go back to uh phones away you know hard copies of menus when you really think about what's wrong with our industry today, uh, when you think about the future, uh, the people, the thousands of people, the restaurant owners that are listening to this, what message do you want to give those people as far as a better future for the restaurant industry? What needs the change?
1: Well, everybody needs to be treated fairly no matter who they are. Yeah. Um, um, and I think that's important. So there's, there's, it's a team effort and it's no, there's no attitude. And, uh, and I think that has changed in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not top down as no. much yeah. and the best places are, are a collaborative effort um so keep moving in that direction and um and um and make sure that you you know like f- well for me it's just providing an ex- uh you know it's a mini vacation to me yeah i mean that's what you know people aren't you know you can't go to can't go to viecas you you, because that takes a lot out but you can get a babysitter and have two hours a little little staycation yeah a little staycation where you get waited on it's more than just the food it's the whole i think people need to realize it's the whole um event it's not just it's not just specifically the food or the beverage it's it's the combination
0: Yeah. yeah um you mentioned uh Really, the 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 focal point of that statement was to be inclusive and fair, right? A more mm-hmm. inclusive and fair industry. What are you doing specifically to move in that direction?
1: Well, I, it's funny. Uh, uh, my uh, office manager Stacy said, "Hey, we're we're I know we're a day late, but we're you know uh, the women in the office, which it's it, it's four uh, very talented, hardworking women. One, two, three, four. Yep. <laughs> uh, and they said we're going to go out to lunch." And I, and I was like, uh, well, we don't need a woman's day for you guys to go out to lunch. Yeah. I mean, uh, and so we went over a strategy because every every uh, actually restaurant gets a couple parties a year. I said, you guys need to do more and treat yourself right. So we came up with a game plan that I could tell you off the air what they're gonna do okay Um, but um, so it's just making sure we're appreciating everybody and identifying everybody Um, um, and and again it's partnering with the right people that have that same mantra and attitude and uh, making sure that we're our ideas are aligned yeah Um, and and always putting ourselves in other people's shoes I can't stress that enough And that's ability I have because I did start as a busser, was a waiter, bartender, line cook, dishwasher. I've done it all. So it's always, I always impress upon the staff, like you've got to think how they're thinking, what they're, some people are after like that dollar at the end of the night, but it's also, um, you know, what their needs are. So, so as
0: somebody who's been in the industry now uh, as an owner for over 20 years, what has changed recently about the industry? Um, or as far as challenges go that are staffing
1: is you know huge and it's maybe offering more we always have flexibility on on you know scheduling and stuff and work through that Uh, we have a system for that but yeah uh, um, but uh, staffing is huge what are you doing to Uh, differently to attract yeah, so we we do offer like 401k. We do have half health insurance or full insurance, depending on how much you work or, or don't. Um, and uh, so it's increasing our pay, uh, bonuses. One person didn't, uh, you know, I interviewed somebody and they said bonuses. I I don't. I've never <laughs> gotten a bonus. So bonuses, you know, bonuses are good because you want you, know, you have so- certain milestones like. Yeah. You wanna keep people for the whole summer. So you yeah. don't you don't you give a bonus when you at the end. At the end, yeah. you know, like when we get through it. Um so bonuses and stay true to those. That's another thing. Like if we say something we wanna follow through and that's that, integrity. That that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that's something as when I became an owner I just definitely wanna stick with. Um and then um um so what else have we are we uh doing it's the ownership opportunity i don't know how chefs you know like we we, like somebody's like coming what are you going to do for me i'm like i was hoping you'd get into that yeah well there's (laughs) there's you know five chefs and a a general manager that are now owners if you want to be an owner this is the group yeah. to work with, you yeah. know, like, cause we will make that happen.
0: And this yeah. is exactly yeah. one of the reasons why I was yeah. so excited to talk to you and to make yeah. an example of you. In what I point to you, Jay McSherry and the, the J group as a perfect example of, of how I think all restaurants should operate. The most successful brands across the country, what they do is they, they, create opportunity, their focus is creating opportunity for others. They created a successful brand and they, they, they bring people up within their brands. They, they give them the culture, the skills the, and, and they say, what do you want to do? Where do you right. want to go? What's your vision? I know if I don't give it to you, somebody else's or you're going to go do yeah. it on your own. So you become the outlet for these people and you, you groom people and you create opportunity for people. And I think that's what it's all about. If you want to be a successful restaurateur, it's not what can you do for me? It's what can I do for you? Totally. Where are you going? And when you take, I don't know if this is intentional or
1: if if this is your goal or it just happens. Like, how has this happened for you? For me, it's just like, uh, for me, you know. And truthfully, it's not like I need to do any more. A a lot of this stuff comes up with giving opportunity to others. I, I, I just. Well, A, those are the people you want working for you, yeah. right? Because they're, they're in the business, right? And they're, they're passionate about what they're doing. Uh, and then B is, um, y- you know, in a different way, partnering, it's better to have 50% of something than a hundred percent of nothing. Yeah. A- and, and it could be a mess when my, if I have to do a will or something, you know, like, or if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And, and, and. An ownership opportunity, whether you, whether you're making huge money or or, or less, is something that uh, like every American should have, or that is the American dream to me. Yeah. is to do what you love and do, be able to do it. My dad worked for the same company for. I think 35 years. And I said, I'll never do that because <laughs> he didn't get treated fair on yeah. the way out yeah. too. You I know? think that's
0: one of the biggest things that's changing in our industry right now. And people are realizing if you want to attract onto yourself, the best talent, they need to know that there's opportunity there waiting for them.
1: I totally agree. And, and it is with us. The funny thing is the people don't get it. I mean, what do they not see sometimes when I'm doing an interview with a chef? I'm like, if you really want to own your own restaurant, then stop doing those restaurants and come work for us because most of the people i mean pat the chef of uh, of streets and owner of street now 2 years in after we bought it and he's an owner of the new street that we're doing in Exeter yeah it's, and
0: uh, i think this is one of the, when i asked that question what when you know the mission statement is to inspire empower and transform the industry and one of the things that needs to transform i believe there needs to be more owners and fewer employees
1: i Amen yeah. to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've loved
0: this conversation, yeah. Jay. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. One more quick break, and we're going to bust out a true speed round. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app, helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about Chow Now. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guests. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now Direct is Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. With Chow Now Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email, and print marketing, plus POS integration, and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com unstoppable. That's Chow Now dot com slash unstoppable today's episode is brought to you by talk to the manager look nowadays people rather send you a text message than speak to you directly face to face that's just the way people choose to communicate and there's not much we can do about it or is there talk to the manager allows guests to share feedback or ask questions in a way that makes them feel comfortable and is also convenient to you. Don't worry about personal information being shared. Customers won't see your personal phone number, just the number that talk to the manager provides. You can even delegate customer feedback and divide the workload amongst your managers. Multiple managers can receive these texts. When one manager replies to a customer, the other staff will see their responses too. What I personally love most about talk to the manager is that you can fix issues immediately in private before complaints go public online. Many times when people do write a negative review, it's because they just want to be heard and talk to the manager gives them that outlet to be heard before they bring it publicly and drag your name through the mud. Plus, with Talk to the Manager. Get issues brought to your attention, whether it's an issue with your restaurant's service, product, or facility. Your guests will let you know whether you want to hear it or not, but this will help you improve. Using Talk to the Manager is so intuitive that no technology is required. If you can send a text message, you can use Talk to the Manager. Show guests you care enough to listen with Talk to the Manager. Head to talktothemanager.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your 60-day trial. That's www www.talktothemanager.com slash unstoppable. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? ADD. <laughs> what is your biggest weakness?
1: Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I do know. um, no, I don't know. I
0: want to go back to your um answer for your biggest I, I, strength. ADD. Why how is that a strength?
1: Yeah, see some people would think that's not, yeah. but I I can multitask. Like I like I just looked at this carpet before we started going and I and I got right on the phone and reached out to my floor guy and said, "Hey, you got to fix this step." And he hasn't. And it's been like three months. But I'm on it. But I'm really supposed to be in here with you. Yeah. So I just get a lot of stuff done. And if I don't get it done at the time, I go right back to it. Got so,
0: it. Um, so do you think of that weakness yet by
1: any chance? Yeah, yeah. No, I have <laughs> the biggest weakness. Oh, not knowing people's names. I oh wish I could know names. I have a friend that's in the hotel industry. He knows everybody's name. He knows, and I think it's so important. I wish I do. I know people's faces, but I, I, I am not a good name. And there's like a skill to it, I guess. Uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah.
0: It's, such an, it's such an important skill to have. Yeah. People, the, the, they say that everyone's favorite word is their own name. So wow. when, you, when you can like remember, some, it, it's just a really great skill to have. And I'm yeah. right there with you. I wish I was better with names myself. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your
1: team during the interview process? Do you want to be here? Do you, is this what you want to do? Like, I don't want anybody that doesn't want to be here. Yeah.
0: Uh, what is your biggest challenge today?
1: Uh, staffing. How are Definitely. you overcoming it? Just full core press. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. A co- this is like a way to be, a core value.
1: Treat everybody fair. Mm.
0: What is one common standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common throughout the industry, but not common throughout the or sorry, something common throughout your restaurants, but not common throughout the industry to go above and beyond
1: work as a team or go beyond what you are required to do. Mm.
0: What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or
1: restaurant owner? Uh, um, I don't know, uh, for a restaurant owner, uh, Zingerman's, Leadership book I, I recommended to my managers. Yeah,
0: um, he has a series of books: A Lapsed Anarchist Approach to Fill in the Blank. I think the first one is to build a better business. The second one is to become a better leader. Then, like leading ourselves, there's I think there's four or five in total, but absolutely great series of books. And the cool thing about those books too is they're written in essay form, so you can pick up that book. from any chapter and read it. And you don't have to, it's not one of those books you have to read from front to finish. Right. It's it's really good. I'm a big fan of Ari Wineswag. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough
1: or often enough? Uh, I, I can't speak for other restaurant tours. Um, but I don't say enough that, uh, everybody's doing a great job or complimenting our staff. Um, um, uh, you know, my I work in reverse, which is, which is embarrassing to say. If you don't hear from me, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I'm lazy, you know, like, so I apologize to all those <laughs> people that I work with. We don't reinforce
0: what's being done right. We only reinforce what's not being done right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, name one service you've hired or outsourced. So this is something that instead of doing in-house, sure. it makes way more sense to outsource it and have somebody else do it because they do it way better than
1: you do. Yeah, I, uh, Gasket Guy. He does all our gaskets. What do you mean by gaskets? All the gaskets to the refrigerators. Got it. So we were trying to do that in-house. Do you know his name? Well, it's owned by Summit now. He Summit Supplier that does our dishwasher bought the gasket guy. Got it.
0: Uh, name one technology you've recently adopted within the four walls of your restaurants. Uh, this is a technology that just helps you do something better.
1: Yeah, honestly, I guess it would be Resi. Uh, I heard you mention Resi when we were setting up. Yeah, Resi's pretty good. It's a good, it's a fair price. Open yeah. tables. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of
0: options yeah. out there for reservation. Mm-hmm. Resi, open table, reserve a bunch of them. Why Resi? What was it about Resi?
1: Well, Resi's a fair price, or yeah. res- uh, uh, at least right now it's a fair price, um, um, and it and it does everything very well. Um, for the managers as far as moving tables around and booking software. Yeah.
0: Got it. Um, this is the last question. Okay. Get ready for oh, it. yeah. It's a doozy. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world oh, okay. tomorrow. All the memories of you your work in your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of your legacy and the, for the good of humanity. What would those three pieces of wisdom be?
1: That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's a big uh, again, treat everybody fair, appreciate every day. One. Well, no, that's two. Two. Okay. i give you two. What's the third one? The third. Um, um uh, if you see it, you own it. Beautiful.
0: I've loved this conversation, Jay. Thank you so much. Um and really this is um. This is a milestone for me because i've been I've been looking forward to this conversation <laughs> for a long time now you've been on my radar for a while uh, we finally made it happen and it's it's really just a, a privilege to make an example of what you've what you've created for the, the town of Portsmouth and beyond the seacoast you know um,
1: more people should be like you really. Uh, well, I've loved it. And, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, I should have mentioned at the beginning, the career switch from advertising was I wanted to do something that had more, uh, daily impact on the community and be part of a community. Yeah. So that is part of being a restaurant owner for yeah. me. Yeah. I love it. And it
0: shows, man, it really does. Um, so before I let you go, I have to have you call somebody out. That's oh, how yeah. I try to okay. find okay. the majority of my guests. I really want, uh, the, the industry to determine who should be made an example of. So, who do you respect and admire, and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today?
1: What about Massimo? Have you? Uh, I haven't. Uh, no, that's a great one. Chuck Rolachek, okay, from CR's Massimo. Chuck uh, Michael Mossimo, La- Michael okay. Langarden from Bob's. He just recently retired. He loves to talk. All right.
0: Mike, Chuck, and Massimo, look, I'm coming after you. I'd love yeah. to get you on the show. Yeah. And um, how can we connect with you if we were really inspired by oh, your sure. episode today? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we're a chef and maybe we want to own a restaurant someday. Yeah. What's the best way to connect?
1: Well, honestly, my door is always open, even if you just want to chat or uh, or somebody's banging around an idea. I I found that, you know, I, I usually I, I take the time. so. Uh, you can call me on my cell, 603-498-6476, um, or you could stop by the restaurant, jump at Jay's, or just talk to one of the other owners and, yeah. and just try and connect with me. Or uh, I'm not really on Facebook, so that cell phone, maybe text me. Beautiful.
0: Um, Jay, I just cannot say thank you enough. Thank you so much. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Great stuff today from our guest, Jay McSherry. And uh, if you're listening to this, you're celebrating a milestone interview for me. And man, uh, this was a good one. And and I knew it was going to be a good one. Some really great lessons in today's show. I think some great advice on how to approach somebody who, how do you say this? How to punch up. If you want to bring your business plan to somebody, if you want to join uh, forces with somebody to, that can help you and create opportunity for you. Like Jay's created so many opportunities for others. Uh, he, he kind of got into like what he expects from a partnership and what his mentality is uh, when he's growing his business. And um, again, it's just, it's just all about creating opportunity for other people starting small, which is a big lesson that we learned on the show. 18 seats. I think he said he had when he first started and you know, they just expanded a little bit more and then blew out this wall and expanded a little bit more. Uh, and, things, great things don't happen overnight. They take time and persistence. And when you do something special, opportunity just kind of finds you. And with that opportunity, you can kind of pass it off or at least join forces with other people uh, because you know you can't do it by yourself, but you can use your influence, use the success you've had to create opportunity for other people and and if you can promote from within, like Jay has done so many times, I mean, that's the magic formula right there is when you recognize that it's about getting out of the way and and finding people who have talent and just pointing them in a direction and say, let's go do this together. I mean, amazing things can happen. So as you're listening to this, I am in Los Angeles and I'm hoping to get at least eight interviews between Los Angeles and Salt Lake city while we're on the road during the week of three slash two, one the following week, three slash two eight. We are starting strong. We have Abhinav Kapoor joining us live in the network. He's the CEO and founder of Bicky, a CRM platform for the restaurant industry. Uh, He was on the show a couple weeks ago. But if you enjoyed that episode and you're interested in Bicky, he's going to be answering your questions. There will be a live event in the network. And uh, we should have content for the next couple months. So I'm going to be going hard with live events in the network, creating these workshops and lectures for you. And I would love for you guys to be a part of those conversations. All you got to do is head over to restaurant unstoppable network.com and join. All
1: right. That's it for today until next time. Peace out.